0: Hello again, I'm Steve Longo, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Rock and Roll Show and Tell. Coming to you from the No Gloom Ballroom. It's time for part two of my chat with Triumph guitarist and vocalist Rick Emmett. Stick around and hear what the Canadian rocker has to say. After this word from our sponsor. Most of you know I live in southwest Florida now. And one of my favorite places to grab a bite to eat is Jason's Deli. Scott and Diana Willis have been in business here for over 20 years. The truth is, Jason's Deli has bigger choices of better food. You can eat healthy and enjoy the taste of quality ingredients. They're open seven days a week for dine-in, pickup, or deli delivery. With four convenient locations from Naples to Cape Coral, Florida, they are a must-try. Jason's Deli, where all good things come from wholesome ingredients. Here we go with part two, Rick Emmett.
1: That was my Kenny Rogers look, by the way. I, my kids said, Dad, you look like Papa Smurf. And my wife said, you know, Rick, happy wife, happy life. I think it's time to shave,
0: you know. Uh, yeah, you got no one to grow them, no one to shave them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, did. I, you know, listen, I liked playing around. I had a beard once, you know, I did that thing. It was, um, only I went outside. See, I think you took advantage of COVID and <laughs> uh, grew <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I, my hair, my hair has been like this for the past 20, I don't even know how many years, and it was a year more than a year i didn't get my hair cut and then i finally got brave enough to sneak out to one guy who is the guy who does it with the claws on his that guy if you've ever seen him Edward, and is there's
1: hands pretty
0: close it's his brother okay. it's his brother they are uh, shorter
1: claws yeah they're
0: short. it's it's man it's the weirdest thing yeah um valentino valentino and yeah okay. I called up my bass player, I said, Larry, I I really need a haircut. I don't want to go back to the other salon because there's too many people there. Where can I go? He said, go to Valentino. He'll see you privately, make an appointment, blah, blah, blah. And so I think, all right, well, let me look. If he cuts Larry's hair, how bad could it be, right? And I look and I see the video of this guy. that has got like finger picks on every finger, only their blades. I swear, when you you get it, just go look up... uh, they're called the claws. So look at Valentino, yeah, like the A-A-W-T-G. designer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the claws. And you'll it see this. He's, yeah. he's flipping your yeah. hair. I, I was surprised he didn't cut her ear off.
1: But he said he could get it blindfolded on television.
0: Yeah. And I'm <laughs> saying, I, don't, I don't need to, I don't want that. No, <laughs> not blindfolded. So, yeah. Um, pretty looks pretty good, Steve. Yeah, it's pretty Even. Good. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would be afraid I might lose an earlobe or something.
1: So.
0: I know. But nope. Let me tell you what it was. It was a. It was actually amazing. I mean, to to be honest with you, the whole reason for me doing this show, um, out of being the chairman of the board, B O R E D, was to learn new things and exc- I love new stuff. I love new music. I love new musicians and what when i originally started out doing the show um nobody wants to hear me play drums to you know songs i I mean i could do that but why (laughs) um and uh if they want to hear that, there's plenty of it out there. So I thought one of my favorite things, and I, I'm i going to think that it was the same for you being a Canadian band. One of my favorite things about touring, about being out there for months at a time, was running into people that you knew from 10 years ago in some club somewhere. And I love those and this is one of those conversations this is you and me we're both playing the us festival and we're hanging out in catering and this is the conversation hey i heard you wrote a book yeah and there we go and yeah so that was really and you know i wanted to do the comfortable background because you know gold records are not you know i like it out here in space it's peaceful yes yeah
1: And great now, All
0: right. The book is available now for people to purchase. Yeah, is this is it published? The book is it out? Yeah,
1: yeah. It should it should be in bookstores starting the fourteenth. But of course, you can they can order it from Amazon anytime they want now and 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 get it delivered. But uh, ECW and I feel like we'd like to um, encourage people to go to their local bookstores and and buy a hard copy. If you buy a hard copy, you can get the ebook anyways. I will say this though. If you buy the audio book, you get the two songs, because I recorded those. Those two songs? Yeah, well, Born to Pay, and and there's another one called World of Song. So those two, and plus, I played little jazz guitar things to kind of get from one section to another in the audio book. So there's like seven or eight of those that are kind of little treats that are part of the audio book. So it's not like I gave up my music in order to become a poet. I kind of went, all right, I'm going to make
0: a transition here. Of course not, man. I mean, I I never thought that. I I did a, you know, I had been doing art forever when I moved from New York down to Florida, whatever, 17 years ago. That's just started to happen. And then I decided to do the fashion line based on it. And, you know, everything has its season. Doesn't mean I don't play my drums every day. And to that point... Did Angus tell you about pass the peas?
1: No. Oh. Go ahead. Uh, I, I I do. I did find out. There's five questions that I had to
0: think about. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's just that's, <laughs> that's just the fun part at the end. Yeah, that's no, coming man, at
1: that, the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pass the peas.
0: Okay. Pass the peas is coming now. What pass the peas is, is um, I'm sitting here and I have a. I will show you. I can show you. I can do this. I have uh, this. Oh, yeah. And so I'm thinking to myself, what can I do with this? My stuff is mic'd up. I mean, it doesn't get better. You know, I, I can move the mic's microns to get the perfect sound. So what I did is I laid drum tracks. All kinds of drum tracks, Latin tracks, funk tracks. Because I'm a, you know, I consider myself to be a pretty well-rounded player. And then I sent one to Booker King, bass player from New York, and he plays with everybody. And he slapped it right back at me. So then we sent it to uh, Tony Bruno, who put guitar on it. And it, you know, these songs just keep going around. So if you're interested in getting some peas passed your way, mm-hmm. I'll okay. send you.
1: Sure, why not? Yeah,
0: it's exactly, and you can, you know, it's just fun. It's just meant to be... He passed a
1: piece to Steve Stevens to put guitar on, and he finished the thing. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I I had, uh, you know, um, Billy Idol's guitar player, Steve Stevens. Of course, yes. uh, We grew up, you know, we came up at the same time. Um, We used to sneak him in to see our band when he was underage, 16. But, um... He, uh, I said, I passed him the peas. He passed them back finished. He played everything. It was like, wow.
1: Just no vocals. Yeah. No
0: vocals. So, and you're welcome ah, to, vocals. yeah, please, vocals. You're lyrics. An you know you, you know anybody that writes lyrics? Maybe. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I did a
1: project uh, just recently for a, a company called Cleopatra Records, and they they were doing a tribute album for Pink Floyd, and I got to sing. um... Wish You Were Here. Joe Satriani played guitar. Carmen Apeace played drums. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know those guys. Yeah, yeah. So th- that was kind of fun. But it was, again, one of these COVID projects, a kind of a past piece thing where, you know, I went into a studio with a friend of mine, and he engineered, and I did the vocals, and we sent them back. And, uh, yeah, that's out in the marketplace now. And so I've been on an album with uh, Joe Satriani and Carmen. I never get to meet them. I wasn't <laughs> in the same room. That. What, it was a past the peace project. Well, yeah.
0: but, well, for this, we see the the reason I wanted to do it this way. It's linear jamming because you, as a drummer, if you and I are in the room, right? You walk into the live room, and I'm behind the drums, and I start playing a shuffle. You're playing whatever you know. If I if I break into you know five four or I do whatever, you're going to follow me. So in that way, it's very much like a linear jam. There's nobody you know, telling you what to play, what not to play, when, you know, it's just open. And then wherever you send it, the only thing that dictates what they play is what you and I played before it got there. So it's, it's very, you know, it's very responsive, I I thought. Maybe.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's a great idea. I, I, you know, I just saw uh, um, an interview with uh, a guy named Rick Beato, you know, has this amazing, great thing that on the internet. And he's a great teacher. And and he did an interview with Pat Metheny, who's one of my favorite musicians.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So in speaking of, of uh, you know, um, of drummers, you know, Pat, at one point, he said, look, I tell this to, you know, music musicians all the time and music students when I do workshops and things, wh- wh- whoever is, is, you know, take, controlling the money and, and, and bo- booking the, the, the tour, that's obviously the band leader. He goes, but well, when you get on stage, I tell everybody this, this is the truth of the matter, the drummer is always the leader. (laughs) Once you're on stage, the drummer is the band leader and you must follow what the drummer lays down for you because that's how it works. And that was the, I saw that the same week that Charlie Watts passed away. And so there was a lot of talk about drummers, you know, uh, floating around in the air. But I've always said that it's like, uh, well, I, during sound checks, I would often say to my other musicians, no, you got to get more hi-hat in your monitor because you got to be listening to what he's, where he's taking us. And so, you know, like guys turn the kick up. I go, yeah, yeah, the kick is good, but you got to have a hi-hat too. The hi-hat's the thing. And that was one of the things that was in that... Um, Count Me In show where the, yeah. the guy said, hi, hat, hi, hat. And, and he was doing a little, you know, the Iron Maiden guy was doing the tickety Yeah,
0: there going, you go, yeah. Yes, that is what I've always tried to tell people. that's That's the truth of it. Well, Stuart Copeland, same thing. I mean, that guy has, you know, he's famous for his hi hat work. Yes, yeah yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. So, and and everybody did a good job. It really. I don't mean. I'm, I certainly don't mean to rag that. If you know, no, no, um, no, it's just I was expecting to. I wanted to learn something. You know what I mean? And sure. if I see if I see one more roadie take one more chrome drum stand out of a road case, that's that's you know that's
1: we watched the Paul yeah, but you're making...
0: Yeah, I, your point is well taken. That that it's it's Netflix,
1: and so they're looking for a wider audience. they you know, you know, my wife enjoyed it. You know, usually when I watch musician oriented kinds of documentaries, she's going like, "This is you know, like can't we watch the next episode of uh, you know, Baba Voss and <laughs> Game of Thrones?" You know, like whatever. Like, and and I I get it. Like I, um, and of course for me. I've always sort of had that thing about music for its own purpose, mu- music for its own for its own reasons, you know, as opposed to hey, music so that I can sell a lot of records or music so that uh, I can you know sell a lot of tickets. It's like no, which is why I, you know Pat is one of my favorites because. He he always only ever did it for the right reasons, you know.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when I first heard about it, when I first got into it and first dictated that I would do this thing, I didn't know anything about tickets, girls, drugs. I didn't know anything about any of it. It But apparently you've learned a lot about drugs. Well, I like (laughs) to study. I do study. You know, I learned a little bit about money, too. You know, I collect. I have the whole set. But um, <laughs> to please, we're, we're going to segue right Oh, no, sorry. You're,
1: you need a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, it's uh, that's my world. That's um, so, uh, yeah, the, the question. So, oh, and oh, the yeah. other thing is, this is the other thing. On Friday nights, we do this thing called Free For All Friday and the same zoom key that you use to get into this you can come into that at the same time seven are you you're in canada still now i am ontario yeah yeah. different time zone or no east well where are you down in florida I'm in the eastern. I'm in, um, Fort Myers. in Fort Myers. Yeah, on the west. So that's Park. the same. That's the same as uh, I'm in Toronto. So you know. We're, oh, okay. Are, yeah. Okay. yeah same
1: time zone. Yep. All right. Yeah. So, so seven on Friday, the Triumph uh, documentary is being launched at the Toronto International Film Festival. So wow, I'm not around at seven o'clock. I'm going to be doing the schmooze and you oh, know, nice. dressed in a jacket and trying to look nice for the red carpet and yeah, because that, that's finally it took two years for banger films to get that one to the public, but it's finally going to
0: happen. And uh, I'll tell you something interesting. Is it, is it using the us festival footage? I probably like it uses little bits of all kinds of
1: stuff, you know, for sure. It it uses some of that. Yeah. Like that footage that you see, like we were the only people that took advantage of all of this footage that sat in a warehouse in California after the event. And we went to, Mm -hmm. um, Steve, who's the Wozniak. guy from the, Steve, Steve Wozniak, Wozniak. No. And we went, Wozniak can, can we, you know, can we access the footage? He said, oh yeah, sure, take whatever you want. And we were the oh. only people that did, you know, of course it was 1983,
0: nobody had really <clears throat> gotten to this idea yet. Of right, it hadn't, yeah, Steve's blossomed Steve's. yet. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I made a, a documentary film on the life of John Entwistle, which I actually, we started making when he was alive as just you know for fun and then, then long story short but um i uh with the the guy that i co-produced it with said i'm coming to florida i'm going to look i'm going over across to fort lauderdale guy has a storage locker or, or whatever giant with all the us festival tapes the police. I mean, he's got and the stuff we watched that day. I was like, and it's all on those. You know the big. You know what it. You know. Uh, I, I Yep. And I said, "You're gonna buy this?" to the To the guy I was with. He said, "Well, if he's selling it, I'm gonna buy it." I said, "You'll never clear this stuff." I mean, I don't know. You know, uh, but I saw a lot of that. It was incredible. That. Yeah. Thing. yeah Yeah,
1: Yeah. it really was and it was just sitting around nobody nobody was doing anything with it now part of that too was that some of the people go yeah we didn't have the greatest night we we'd been smoking
0: a little of the stuff back in the Uh the, car from the drum guys (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay get to the
0: questions come on okay here they come you ready yeah i'm ready you're on tour you're here and there up and down favorite place when you're going to this spot on the globe you can't wait to eat at favorite restaurant on the road
1: okay I right first of all i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna morph your question a little bit because a lot of times when i would be on the road the food was going to be brought to the dressing room you know between soundcheck and gig so what places had the best you know, backstage catering. And I, in the last stages of my career, I was doing a lot of duo shows. I was out playing with another guitar player, Dave Dunlop and Dave, and I, Dave was much more of a foodie than I was, but we would play these places. They were called city wineries and they had very good menus and they would let you sort of pick whatever you wanted off the menu. So the, the food there was good, but the, the, and there was another place we played. I'm going to mention this one just to give them a plug. Um, and it was called, "Oh, jeez, it was called um the Infinity Music Hall in Norfolk." And they had a really great menu, and it was a great gig to play. It was a really nice venue. Uh, but the best was uh, the Cleveland Music Box Supper Club. And their menu was the best food, and they were the nicest people. and uh, th- that was the gourmet experience. So if anybody's ever in Cleveland, you gotta go. To the Music Box Supper Club because the food there is very very good. Never mind. We're going to put that
0: down as your answer. Yeah.
1: Okay. No, but wait. Okay, that's fine. But now I have I have a story I'm going to tell you, which is a great rock and roll story. And I know that's why I'm on this show because that's what you you know. It's like rock and roll storytellers in outer space. Okay. So. Uh, We'd signed with uh, Universal around 1984. They were MCA at the time, but they turned into Universal, the record company that owned the world. And uh, Irving Azoff was the president. And um, we were getting treated really, really nice. And so when we were in Chicago, the local guy said, we got to go to Maxim's. Now, I don't know if you know about Maxim's, but it's in the basement of the... uh, something Towers. Uh, Wait, I wrote it down just so that I wouldn't forget. The Astor Towers.
0: Aster Towers, yeah.
1: Yeah, which is as high-end as high-end gets, okay? We weren't staying there, but the the rep took us there. And I had Swordfish, and it was, you know, one of the most amazing meals I'd ever had, and it's an amazing restaurant. But the reason I'm raising this is because Maxim's is the place where uh, Joe Walsh, one, one night, decided to go with John Belushi, and there's many, many stories, uh, you know, that have circulated over the years about this, but they won't let you in unless you got a jacket and a tie right. and you can't wear jeans. And these two rock and roll freaks show up in their jeans and they want in and they go, no, sorry, I'm sorry, sir. You can't come in. And so they they apparently spray painted their pants. Yes, they went I out. Heard of, that. Yeah, yeah spray painted their pants so they could get back in. And that was just the beginning of the destruction. because eventually they ended up up in the hotel in the room, you know, the astroturf, and they trashed the room in spectacular fashion. A grand piano might have been pushed off a balcony. I can't say that one for sure, but Irving said that it was the worst, uh, the worst destruction that Joe, Joe had ever done. But of course, in Irving's mind and in Joe's mind, the worst would be the best. <laughs>
0: well, right. The, you know, the you know the stuff of legends. You yeah. know, that's. Uh... I That's
1: got accountants to pay for it all
0: yeah I, you know I I know more than a little bit about Joe and Keith Moon there would have been some <laughs> right yeah. Well, yeah yeah well all right here we'll just do this a little behind the scenes stuff that you might not know when Joe was crazy Joe he was going out with a girl who for all intents and purposes was crazy Lisa <laughs> and when joe decided to straighten out he decided that he could not be with crazy lisa anymore so Aunt Whistle got her
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah she lived with him for 10 years while
0: you were working with him oh yeah yes.
1: oh yeah you're gonna have to read oh, that book yes. you want to read a book
0: read that one
1: wow.
0: <laughs> okay uh, yeah wow. and, oh man i mean let me tell you what if there weren't a million people watching i could tell you stories that would
1: but she's dead now too you can't get
0: clearance for those steve (laughs) well yeah mm, there's a book you have to be careful you have to give them a pseudonym write a poem (laughs) i actually i you don't want to know what (laughs) that's I'm going to move on with the questionnaire now, oh Rick. And very interesting. I don't know how many of the fans out there, um, there's so many things that in our careers, yours and mine, that parallel each other. You, Your first album comes out, they misspell your first name, and you decide to keep that spelling, right? Yeah. Yep. Do, do you know Leslie West? You know Leslie, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay.
0: I, I knew Leslie, yes. Leslie, yeah, R.I.P. Leslie calls me up and he says, Steve. I want you to play on my album. I said, when? In an hour.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I go and I do the album with him. The album comes out and my name is misspelled. He's got the U behind the O. So it's lounge <laughs> And he's telling me, just change it. It'll be better anyway. So you, guys, you just. Change. I told Corky Lang the same thing. I said, Corky, no one's going to spell this ridiculous. thing change it.
1: Your Leslie impression is quite good.
0: Oh, I, I got a call. I,
1: I played a uh, uh, thing, the NAMM show, and Leslie was part of the you know Dean guitars thing that I had been a part of. And he so he had my contact information. And then one day, out of the blue, like six months after that, I get a phone call. And and I and uh, uh, it's his voice he goes, Hey Rick, I go, Hey, and he goes, It's Leslie. I go, Yeah, how you doing? He goes, Listen, I'm cra- I'm cracked a wisdom tooth. I I gotta I go, uh Leslie, this is Rick Emmett, the guitar player. He goes, Oh fuck, I thought you were Rick, my dentist. <laughs> so- <laughs> Right. So he picked the wrong Rick from his call
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, Eddie Money! That's that where Eddie Money true. did the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. I, oh yeah. Eddie. Well, was Steve Long Eddie. <laughs> um, I don't know if you you know Access TV. It's the the, the Rock Channel.
1: Yeah.
0: Eddie yeah. had a, Eddie had two seasons of a show on there. And out of nowhere, he calls me up and he says. Stevie Longo. Stevie Longo. Is this the is this the incredible drummer or the gay producer? <laughs> Oprah's great. Or Oprah's great. Yeah. great. And I said, uh, Stevie, Stevie. You say, is, is this the incredible drummer or Oprah's gay producer? And I said, Well, I really hope it's the incredible drummer because I don't know Oprah.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And uh, and it turns out that the guy that produced his show for Access was also Steve Longo. Yeah. But you know, oh,
1: we you oh, go. Yeah.
0: So I, yeah, I love no, playing not with that. No, 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 no. See, I, and that's I would I don't do the lounge thing. So why would I call myself that? Yeah, of course. No, it. All right, know. all okay. right. Question number. Okay, two. come on, let's go. Okay, number two. Here yeah. it comes. Oh, I, I don't want to go into OT in Canada. All right. <laughs> Setlist comes out. Oh man, favorite song to play live.
1: Uh, I always used it to close my shows. Solo, suitcase blues from the Just a Game album. Uh, it was uh, it, the most uh, un. It should have never been on a rock record because it was a jazz tune. But uh, it was always my favorite. But there's two other favorites I'm going to mention. One of them was I used to love to play in uh, Triumph. When we'd get to fight the good fight, it was always the encore song. and It was the end of the night. So I loved that song because you could give it everything you had because you didn't have to save anything anymore. The set was going to be over. So I loved that feeling. And, of course, the crowd, you know, the, the encore tune. And plus it was like, you know, the raise your fist you know, uh, yeah, the idea behind the song was was like a banner, you know. So I loved that one. It was the unfurling of the flag, um, and then the one that I loved to play when I was in duos with uh, Dave Dunlop always had it on the set list was an instrumental called Three Clouds. Just because we could both blow our brains out and kick each other's ass, it was great.
0: That wow, oh, that's song. cool. Okay, good one. Yeah. Okay, so now this next one, "Setlist" comes out. And this uh, I'm not so happy to see this song. I don't ever want to play this song again. What's that song? That song's called State of Grace, and the reason I could never
1: do it anymore was because we played it at my brother's funeral, and oh. once that had happened, I went, I, I'm never going to be able to sing this and get through it. Like, I'm never going to be able to find that place inside myself where I can... Bring it where I can deliver it, like so. I retired the song from the set list and I'm I'll
0: never play it again. Okay, that's a yep, I get good that. answer. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so guitar, maybe a little drums, this and that. If you could, if you could absolutely shred at another instrument other than your own, and that includes vocals, what would it be?
1: I would be a piano player, no question about it. Ah, okay, because to me, the piano is the best of all instruments because there's 88 notes laid out there and you can be an orchestra if you know what you're doing you can like uh, this is a little known fact about Matheny but Pat can play keyboards very very good and that's what he composes on Lyle Mays who was his you know second in command in the Pat Matheny group Lyle can play guitar really really well so what a marriage made in heaven that you got a keyboard player that can play guitar and a guitar player that can play keyboard and they can sit down with an Oberheim, both of them and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about this? Well, what about this voicing, Pat? And he's going, yeah, yeah, that sits nice on the guitar. Yeah. Like that would have been, keyboard would have been my thing. But when I was in music college, I I almost flunked uh, introductory keyboard. Like I'm so left-handed. I play guitar right hand, but I'm so left-handed that I couldn't get both hands going at the same time on a piano keyboard. I just couldn't do it.
0: So so you play guitar right hand? I mean, I saw that. I would have noticed because I'm, you know, wow. But you're left-handed in life?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I do uh, things of strength with my left hand. Like if I was going to throw a baseball, I'd throw with my left hand. If I was going to hammer a nail, I'd hammer with my left. But when I write my name, I write with my right. When I pick up a fork, I eat with my right. So it's called... Uh, uh, dextro sinistral it's not it's not ambidextrous right uh, I'm right. left hand strong, right hand fine control. And in fact, I'm going to show you something here. When you see guitar players and they pick like this, like yeah, their right hand is kind of like this right Eric Johnson, for example, he's a right-handed guy. When you see a guy like this, like me, Eddie van Halen, Steve Morse, probably left hand strong on the fretboard gives you big advantage here disadvantage here but you turn your hand and you kind of pick like this you know
0: and what is Dextra, that it's, called? it's, like it's that. not it's, it's not ambidextrous it's what dextro oh. sinistral
1: sinistral dextro yeah like dextros is, is, dextro, is right is is, uh, is is right and and sinistra is left so if, if you're the other way around if you did things the strength with your right hand and fine motor control with your left you'd be sinistro dextral
0: oh okay so it's left right right left Could, because yeah. i as a as a drummer i play right-handed but when i play double bass i play it the way a lefty would play it. yeah that in that direction as so opposed you get to
1: some know. i think it's wiring between the hemispheres of the brain that's that's my theory i'm pretty sure it's probably right because there's been people that have had brain damage and then they lose the ability on the other side of their, you know. So I think it's the way your brain's wired,
0: but- um, Yeah, and I can do it the other way around, but I, I don't want to, and I know you know what I mean. Yeah, can you play some keyboards at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, Which I grew up a hand is better? Part- uh, you oh, my right hand is better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. No, I'm I'm absolutely righty in the world, yeah. but there are certain things that my left hand does that my right hand can't do. And like I said, when I'm playing, I, I'm like lefty footed or whatever that yeah, means. yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> All right, so moving right along. So piano, good one. Yeah. Good one. This is the uh, this is the, the coup de grace. Yep. Yeah. If you could play one show with anybody, living or dead, who would it be?
1: I would want to go back between 1987 and 1995 so that I could sit in with the Pat
0: Metheny group during that period. Wow. That's post-Jocko, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Way, way past. You know, uh, it might even have been past uh, Steve Rodby touring with the band. But Lyle was still in it. And uh, there was a Canadian guy singing with him, David Blameyers, And uh, those have sort of always been kind of my favorite albums. There was... Still Life Talking is where it started that era of the of the group, and it sort of ended with an album called We Live Here, uh, which was that was a real departure for them. They they did shit to drum loops and 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 you know they they were writing songs based on. Well, this is. Uh, I loved Earth, Wind, and Fire when I was a kid, so I'm gonna have a tune that's kind of Earth, Wind, and fiery. Or, oh, I, we really love the Miles Davis kind of blue stuff, so we're gonna have a tune that's kind of based on that vibe. So I, I always loved that record because it was like musicians going, you know, I I live here. This is here's the roadmap of, yeah. of you know of who I am and how I got here. So that music to me was always uh, something just extra special, you know, and I know. Like as a as a musician, you probably uh, have a deep respect for like say the Steely Dan Asia album, right? Like there's albums like that that. that sure. That, yeah. There's and everybody's got them, but there's there's a couple of those Pat Mattini ones through That time period where. I would have given anything to sit in with that band. I, I wouldn't have had to play the whole set because I wouldn't have been able to cut it, but just a couple of them that I could hear. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, listen, that's, but you know, listen, this is, you know, this is your dream here, so you would be able to cut it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and, and because it's your dream, you could even play piano on some songs. <laughs> There is nothing outside of, I'm telling you, I'm out here. I feel like anything's possible. All right. Beautiful. You, you've been great, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I'm gonna be I'm going to pass you some peas. Uh, you're welcome any Friday. If yeah, you, have you a you good get,
1: time Friday night. Yeah,
0: and congratulations on your documentary. Let's catch yes. up about that. And, man, all good things. And, and again. Let me, uh, let me push the book. Well, you know what? I'll let you go, and I'll push the book, and uh, post we'll, right. post, you know, we'll post the, the link. All
1: right. Have fun in the capsule with the dog. I hope you it's have a bad choice. great.
0: Trip. Believe me, it's good out here. Have fun. Okay. I'll talk soon. All right, guys. Nice.
1: See you. Take care.
0: Take care. All right. This podcast is brought to you by Jason's Deli. With four convenient locations from Naples to Cape Coral, Florida, they are a must-try. Jason's Deli, where all good things come from wholesome ingredients. And Bradley's Jewelers of South Fort Myers. They specialize in amazing moments. Bradley's Jewelers. Stop by and say hello to Brad and Colby. And we'll see you next week right here. On the podcast from the No Gloom Ballroom, it's rock and roll show and tell.